Yesterday we uh, walked with the Ogans family as they said their final farewells to um, our brother Carl Ogans. One of the things that I said during the service was just how important fathers are to us. Uh, there's a quote from Mark Twain that says, uh, uh, this is Mark Twain talking, he said, when I was 14, uh, am I not on? No, not. Okay, for some reason, I'm turned on. I'll stand back here. He said, when I was 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly... I turned 21, I was amazed at how much he'd learned in the last seven years. <laughs> Fathering is difficult uh, because although we're not always appreciated, we really are needed. Uh, and sometimes it takes some distance and some years to, to gain that appreciation uh, for what we had uh, all along. So today, as we go into this Father's Day sermon, I'm going to be challenging us fathers to stand up, to stand in the gap, so to speak. But remember this, there is only one perfect father, and that's our Father in Heaven. The rest of us do the best we can, and we allow and, and trust God to fill in the gaps where we just blow it. And I think every father here can count too many ways that we didn't do it right in that circumstance or this circumstance. We understand that. But we are called, those of us who have become fathers, we are called to a very sacred duty. Uh, we are called to stand in the gap for our families and even beyond. The human need to be well-fathered is very well illustrated by a song that uh, was put together back in the uh, late 1990s, became a huge hit. Anybody ever hear of Butterfly Kisses? Yes. Okay, oh yes, yeah, I knew, I knew you'd heard of that one. The uh, writer of that song was Bar Bob Carlyle. Bob said that he used to get a lot of mail from young girls who would try to get him to marry their mothers. He said he used to get a little chuckle out of that until he started to realize something. Those little girls didn't want romance for their mothers. They wanted a father, like the one they heard about in that song. You make a difference, fathers. And if you don't think you make a difference, listen to a few statistics that will help you um, understand that more. Because God needs a man like you, standing where you're standing, to fill in that gap. Fathers uh, have a lot of influence on their teens. Campus Life surveyed highly committed Christian teens, and he found that those respondents that lived with their fathers are the following. Significantly less likely to struggle from abuse. Significantly less likely to be depressed as an immediate reaction to life-changing situations. Significantly less likely to have used alcohol, or dated a non-Christian in the past 12 months. Somewhat less likely to struggle from substance abuse and somewhat less likely to have been sexually active in the past 12 months. You have great influence on your kids and on their behavior and on the way they respond to life when life hits them with unexpected things. 
Studies also say that children with involved fathers, and I know that there are many instances where sometimes you can't be directly with your child because of divorce and uh, issues like that, and you can still be a father, though. You can still be there for them. Uh, because even just involved fathers uh, have results on their children. Their children are more confident and less anxious in unfamiliar settings. They're better able to deal with frustration. They're better able to gain a sense of independence, more likely to become compassionate adults, more likely to have higher self-esteem, more likely to have higher grade point averages in school, and they are more sociable. Involved fathers in their children's lives bring so many blessings to them. Fathers are important to their, to their families, they're important to the church, and they're important to the community. In, in our reading this morning from Ezekiel, uh, we see the injustice that was going on in ancient Israel that caused God to bring his wrath against them. Uh, the list was sobering. Extortion, robbery, oppressing the poor and the needy, mistreating the alien and denying justice. And he wasn't talking about the criminal element in society. He was talking about the leaders of society, the royalty, the people that should have known better, who were allowing themselves to be totally corrupt. They were eating away at the moral and ethical foundation. Matter of fact, they just torn it up. So much so that God needed someone to rebuild that wall. To rebuild that wall and to stand in the gap until the wall was rebuilt. You know, if you jump ahead in history, uh, from Ezekiel's time to the time when uh, the exiles returned and Nehemiah is rebuilding the wall, do you remember what they had to do uh, as they were rebuilding the wall? They had to arm themselves and they had to have those stand guard as they were filling in and, and filling those breaches in the wall. We need men like that today because I don't think any of us need to look around very far and to see that our culture has fallen in so many ways. And we need, brothers, to be standing in that gap. And may it never be said of our culture. You know, when somebody dies, they get a tombstone, don't they? Okay, what do you usually put on a tombstone? Some kind of an epitaph. Some kind of an epitaph. And may it never be the epitaph on our culture that none could be found. That, that last verse is just, it just hits me when he says, I looked for someone to stand in the gap and none could be found. And so the wrath of God hit ancient Israel. And they were carried away into captivity. I pray that that never happens here especially in the church, that we stand up and walk into that gap. Brothers, the Lord needs us. The Lord needs you. you know, to shift metaphors just a little bit, he wants us to be leaven. Aren't Christians supposed to be leaven? What is leaven? Leaven's that yeast that you put into the lump of dough and it causes it to transform. That's what he needs us to be. He needs us to be spreading the gospel in word and in action. And our example, men, may make the difference between our children living productive lives or having short, meaningless lifespans. We are the ones God has called to step into the breach into the, of the wall 
and to protect not only our families, not only our church, but our very society from the evil that is all around us, from those who would take advantage of the helpless and the innocent. We can make a difference in our world if we will only commit ourselves to follow the Lord and to follow his will. And the Lord has not left us out there to do this all by ourselves. He's not left us stranded. Uh, He's encouraged us to be a part of our families' lives. Even if our families don't really want it, he still wants us to be there. The Lord has given us models. And those models are something that we really need to take seriously. One of those models is found in 1 Timothy, the third chapter. And in it, it lays out the characteristics that should be looked for when we appoint men to be leaders of the church, to be elders and deacons. Too often we look at those and we think that they only apply to elders and deacons, you know, and the rest of us get to skate. No, sorry, you don't get to. These are characteristics that are the ideal that every man should strive for, especially those that have to do with the ethical and moral parts of our lives. Why? Because the Lord needs men to stand in the gap. And the more men that stand in the gap, the better protected is the flock, the better protected is your family, the better protected is our culture. The place this preparation starts is in the family. You know, that list for elders and deacons says that the husband is to be the husband of one wife. He's supposed to be a family man. We've learned through archaeology that this list that Paul uses is not an exclusive list to Christians. This was a list that was already circulating in the culture of what was considered to be the ideal household, uh, leader of a household. Uh, And so these are things that we need to be looking for. We need to be striving to be this family man, this father who stands in the gap for his family and for others. So let's look at these characteristics uh, as we uh, continue this morning. One of these characteristics is that we are to be uh, self-controlled, temperate. You know, I've worked with kids a lot over my career, And I have also seen it within my own boys. Yes, that was mine. It was leading singing today. Proud of him. But, you know, sometimes I see the worst parts of me displayed in him rather than the best. Anybody anybody had that experience? Okay. You know, it's amazing how that happens. You know, you go, oh, no, they shouldn't have learned that from me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) but they do. You know, so, but the acorn doesn't fall very far from what? The The tree. That's right. So men, we need to be self-controlled. You know, if we are seeing our children act out, I think we need to ask ourselves, well, what are, what are they seeing in me? Why is that coming out? We can't complain about our own, children's own behavior when we're not modeling to them how they should behave. As a society, we can complain about how our kids are out of control, and yet we bombard them with messages through video games, through television, through radio, through music, um, messages that say, it's all right to do whatever you feel. It's all right to just go for it. I think we need to be examining ourselves in the model that we are setting. In that list in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, 
We're also told that a good householder is to be someone who is not overtaken by drunkenness, that their lifestyle is not drunkenness. This requirement is both in the elders and in the deacons list. And you all know that our society has a big problem with alcohol. Ask any police officer if alcohol is involved with any of the crimes that they have to respond to. And I, well, you better be ready to take a, lot, take a while because they're going to be listing it one after the other after the other. Uh, alcohol and drugs has a big part to play in people behaving badly. This is a huge problem. And fathers, we need to set the example. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 23 through 24, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, says Paul, but the good of others. My personal conviction is that I will not do anything in front of my children, and I tried not to as I was raising them. And I will not do anything in front of your children that I do not want them to do. It may be permissible, but it not, might not be wise. It might not be constructive. Next, he talks about a good reputation. You know, a good name is a blessing, such a blessing. It's by far, I think, one of the best gifts you can give your children, that they, that you have a good name. I am proud that to this day, I can speak my father's name and know that it will still open doors of opportunity to me. Here I am, a man of 56 years old, and I can still say my dad's name, and there, it'll open a door because of my dad's good reputation. And it is my hope that my boys in 36 years, when I'm 92, Lord willing, <laughs> that my name will still open doors for them. Fathers, you can leave your children with money, you can leave your children with toys, but a good reputation will help them more on their way through life than anything else. Finally, you need to be sincere. Your children want to know that you are authentic. In the movie Finding Neverland, the playwright James Barry befriends a widow and her sons, who then become the basis for the story of Peter Pan. In one scene, Peter has just found out that his mother is sick, and he throws a fit. The boy complains to Barry that adults, adults always lie to him. They lied about his father, and now they're lying to him about his mother. But Barry tells Peter that he will never lie to him about anything. And in the end, he becomes the guardian of the boys when the mother dies. You know, this need for authenticity is underscored when Paul wrote the following in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 10. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Amen.
live your life before your children with transparency. Just don't let anything in that shouldn't be seen. They will learn to deal with life by watching how you deal with life. If you have some things you'd rather not see, change them, don't hide them. Change them. We won't do right all the time. And I know that for fact, because I don't. But what is a better example? To claim to be what we obviously aren't, or to acknowledge the truth about ourselves. I, for one, would rather acknowledge my faults than to have them discovered, especially by my sons. Men, we have to answer this question that Ezekiel put and found no answer to, unfortunately. Who will stand in the gap? There is a need to protect not just our own families, but the lives of others. And yes, the lives of others. The Lord needs brave volunteers to stand for him today and in the, in the days, weeks, and years to come. And this is where men who don't have their own children can still have a great contribution to the Lord's church. Men of the church, we are all examples to the children of the church. You know, Paul called Timothy his son in the faith. He wasn't his natural father, but he became his father in the faith to Timothy. We need to be doing the same things. And besides that, many of you may not have children of your own, but I bet you have nieces, and I bet you have nephews, and I bet you have those families that are close to you who children still call you uncle um, because you're that close. We all men can be used by God. The title of the sermon is God Needs a Man Like You. He does. He needs us all to be standing in there. As fathers, he needs us to stand in there and do the work that we have agreed upon to do. And if we struggle at first and we don't do everything we're supposed to, lean in on the grace of God and uh, look for ways to improve. And God will empower you to do that. Uh, if you don't have children, remember you're still a man that God needs. God needs men to stand in the gap, men to stand for him, men to be examples of a father for those that may not have fathers. God needs a man like each one of you. Would you pray with me? Holy God, we thank you so much that you have called us as your children. Lord, over the last five weeks, we have looked at the men that you need and the ways that we as men can be or should be to be able to be effective servants of yours. And Lord, I just want to thank you for each of the men that are here today. Lord, we're not perfect. Each one of us struggles with different things, but we're still in the struggle, Lord. And I thank you for each man that is still struggling uh, with their faith, with their, their knowledge of you, with their practice of your commands, of, of fulfilling your commands. Lord, thank you that they're still in the struggle. And bless them to each day become more and more like Christ, to become overcomers through his power and through his blood. Thank you, Lord, that we are given the church to be here for us, a family, a family of God, a family where we can find, yes, fathers, but also mothers, sisters, and brothers who can help us as we walk along this way. 
Father, most of all, we are thankful that you are there for us, our Father in heaven, that you sent your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior uh, and to be our brother. Help us, Father, together uh, with your Son, together with your Spirit, with you, to stand tall, to step into the gap bravely together so that our families, our church, our society will be saved from wrath to come. Father, thank you so much for your love, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today, if you are here and you do not know Christ yet as your Savior, uh, we want to encourage you to take this opportunity to follow him. Uh, each day is a day that you can do that. If today you're still wondering, if you're still seeking, uh, you want to ask questions, please come and talk with me, study with me, and we will have that opportunity to be able to explore further uh, how you can walk with Christ. But if you're ready today to take him on in, in baptism, to be cleansed of your sins, to die with him, to be buried in the waters of baptism, raised to newness of life, to become a child of God, we want to encourage you to do that today. Uh, if you need the prayers of the church, the invitation is yours as well. But also remember, your brothers and sisters in Christ are all around you. The Lord said, confess your sins one to another. We're here for each other. We're all sinners, saved by the grace of God. The invitation is yours once you come to him while we stand and while we sing.